0: Welcome to the second season of Alternative Parenting Podcast,
1: where we learn how to guide our kids to find their own path while supporting them in cultivating traits that will empower them to live a life of fulfillment, meaning, and satisfaction. I'm your host, Efrat Amira. Welcome back. Today I have an interview with Daniel Lin. Daniel Lin is a holistic health coach, entrepreneur, and a devoted mom of two. She has dedicated her life to guiding individuals through the maze of health and wellness. Danielle is known for her mastery in crafting daily routines. She is a fitness enthusiast, meal prep expert, and an organizing guru who simplifies the complexity of living a healthy lifestyle. Her mission is to elevate the stress and confusion surrounding health for those who feel overwhelmed, stuck, or frustrated in their pursuit of wellness. Danielle's own journey to wellness was fraught with obstacles that many encounter, from struggles with eating habits and confronting unhealthy drinking patterns to overcoming perfectionism and finding a balanced approach to exercise and spirituality. These challenges, however, became the stepping stones to a major life transformation. By adopting a holistic view of health, she was able to tailor a lifestyle that truly reflects her individuality, integrating aspects of her genetic background, family heritage, and personal goals. Today, she is passionately committed to sharing this transformative experience with others, Working closely with her clients, she crafts personalized routines that support not only their physical health, but also nourish their spirit. She leads her clients to embark on a journey towards becoming the most confident, accomplished and vibrant versions of themselves. It's a celebration of health that shines from the inside out, and she is here to guide them every step of the way. In this episode, Danielle gives us such practical and valuable tips on how to guide our kids to make good nutritional choices. She talks about creating connection around food, trusting our kids' innate body wisdom to eat mindfully, what to do when our kids are exposed to unhealthy options, candy and junk food, what does it mean if our kids crave sweets and much more. I learned a lot and I'm sure that you will too. Enjoy the episode. Here it is. Hi, Danielle. I'm so happy to have you here on my podcast. Uh, We're going to talk
0: today with Danielle Lin, and I want you to start by introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about your parenting journey. Hi,
2: thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it, and I feel so blessed to be here. Um, My name is Danielle, and I am a holistic health coach. I have been a holistic health coach for the last 15 years, helping individuals and families, navigate eating healthy in a really simple and sustainable way. So my parenting journey, well, my both of my boys are nine and seven years old. But of course, your parenting journey always starts before that Mm -hmm. (laughs) in preparation for for their arrival. So I had always researched Um, how to get ready to be pregnant, and what to eat and what to do, you know, just to get myself ready for for the experience. So for me, eating healthy, and being a health coach, you know, that was always um, very, very important to me and to have a healthy pregnancy. So with that being said, um, I had one of the things that came up, actually, that was interesting that although I was prepared or felt that I was prepared going into my pregnancy, I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes with my first son. So based on what the doctor had said, you know, it was keeping your blood sugar under control or you have to go on medication. And of course, right then and there, I knew (laughs) no matter what, that that was not going to happen, especially being holistic. So I really took a deep dive into researching how to live like a diabetic, because in Mm -hmm. essence, that is what you have to do. So I did make sure I ate whole foods, kept my sugar under control. I did check my sugar very often throughout the day. And everything was fine. I was able to control it during my pregnancy. And what i also learned is by doing so, and I've helped other moms with this as well, is that you really don't gain a lot of weight Mm -hmm. during your pregnancy. So with my son, I only gained 16 pounds and he was almost eight pounds when he was born. So Mm -hmm. the majority of the weight that I gained was baby weight, you know, just baby itself. And, um, that was really great because when I, I was able to recover much more quickly and didn't have the stress of postpartum figuring out, wow, what am I going to do now? I have all of this baby weight to lose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how did you decide to become a health coach?
2: So what's interesting is I worked as a medical assistant for, for many years, um, and i was lucky enough to work for a functional medicine doctor and i didn't know what a health coach was at that time but prior to that i had worked in gyms i had always been very health and health conscious um so when i went to work for them as a medical assistant they were very impressed with my knowledge of health and wellness and this was even prior to me having children so working underneath a Harvard-trained medical professional, mm-hmm. learning not only the Western side of medicine, but the Eastern side of medicine as well, and how she integrated it together, really catapulted me into wanting to make holistic health a big Part of my life. And so she guided me on the school that I could enroll in, which was the Institute for Integrated Nutrition. And I was certified as a health coach through through that organization and have been have been doing that ever since.
0: Wow, amazing. And mm-hmm. do you feel like, um, you know, being holistic and and considering your nutrition uh, choices very carefully, does that um, cause issues? Like, does that cause any tension with your children sometimes? Or is it just like, they go with the flow and whatever you say is, they kind of, you know, go with it?
2: Yeah, it can at times, you know, I feel like you can live in your bubble, right? Of your, your own world, right? Your, your choices that you make inside your home. But they're still going out into the world. They're still being exposed to marketing and advertising, whether it be on the TV and the computer, just being out and about in general. Um, their friends, you know, we I pack lunches every day. So they're getting homemade, whether it's meals or sandwiches or whatever the case might be. And then they see their friends eating. Oreos and Doritos and (laughs) why can't I have that? Or, you know, they, they do, we have a lot of conversations around it and I do my best to educate them so that they understand, you know, what's actually inside of what is a Dorito made out of, right? We go over nutrition labels. I show them healthy alternatives when we're out in the store and having that open conversation with them has really changed there there's no push and pull there's there's not as much of a fight because they're in understanding of what chemicals can do to the body versus having something more natural hmm. not to say that it's perfect because they still want to go out and you know get some ice cream or some pizza now and then but you know i think overall having the open conversations has really helped.
0: And how was it when like, before you were able to have conversations with them, when they were like just little and they were toddlers and they didn't really have, they couldn't understand like what you were explaining to them and they wanted that candy in in the birthday party or something.
2: Right. Right. No, that, that can be very challenging navigating that. Um, I think that, you know, and I've been on my own journey as a mom and as a health coach, like there were points in my life where I actually brought my own food places because I was very concerned with them being exposed to, to things early on. So I went through that phase of life, um, where when they were younger, they really didn't know any better. So I could get away. Mm. (laughs) I could get away with it a little bit more. But as they got older and they started to understand, you know, I had to say to myself, okay, they're eating well, 90, 95% of the time. So it's okay for them to be able to experience food with their friends in these social settings, because I don't want to cause them anxiety around food.
1: Mm.
0: That
2: is the last thing that you want. Because I think when that happens, then you're going to have a harder time getting them on board with eating healthier on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Because but well, when they're younger, we actually have more control of their nutrition yes. and what we give them. And we can just give them another cake, you know, whatever it is in a birthday party. But when they get older, they start asking more questions and it's and they want to do whatever their friends are doing. Right. And they want to have whatever their friends are having. And that makes complete sense. Um, and I think it's. It's good that we can be flexible in that way to sh- to yes. know that okay we are providing ninety nine percent of their food and we know that one percent of the food if it's gonna be junk is not gonna kill them right Um. <laughs> yes. but what is what it is gonna do is is it's not gonna make them feel that they're um they're they're not experiencing something that other people are experiencing and then you know if if they're deprived of something, then when they get older, I like I believe that if you're deprived of something, when you get older, that's the only thing that you want. Like you, you yes. were if you weren't able to have Coca-Cola and Doritos and, and and Oreos, uh growing up, you will like get to the point where your parents your parents can't control you anymore, and you're just gonna go off binge, <laughs> you know, binge on those for I don't know how long until you just feel yeah horrible. Right. right. So I, yeah, so I, couldn't I agree more, but
2: what's really fun. And what I, I pride myself on doing and how I guide some of my clients that are in a family setting is having a healthy alternative. So mm-hmm. for instance, you mentioned Coca-Cola, there's two products that are out that I love that are um, alternatives to soda. One's called Olipop, and the other one's Poppy. You may have heard of them, but they taste like soda but they are low in sugar. They are friendly for the gut. They have such a variety of flavors. So, you know, without feeling like I have to tell my kids, no, I say, can we try this instead? Let's try this. Let's explore this. Or if it's a dessert, you know, or something, I'm like, well, why don't we get the ingredients and we can make this together instead of buying cookies in a box why don't we make them? So I I have been shifting more towards creating time together and creating the experience and also showing them that we could really make something that tastes just as good. Or even as better, right? Right. Or even better. And it's just opened up a lot of connection opportunities with my kids and conversations around food in a healthy way so again like i said even being a health coach for so long i had to go through my own personal journey with navigating real life experience with having the kids having them grow up boundaries around food right and 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 balance around food so i've been in the same boat as as a parent, as many other people are too. So now I try to help educate them on how to navigate this space because it it can be very frustrating.
0: Yeah. And I think many parents, you know, we want to control, right? We want to tell our kids what to eat and and how to eat and when, whatever. Um, But at the end of the day, as you say, if there isn't that good and strong connection then the we're able to to control just um until they let us control right because there is there there's gonna be a point you know sooner than later uh, sooner or later that uh we won't be able to control <clears throat> what they eat anymore and then that connection is is what is gonna keep them um making the right choices and that's those exactly conversations, right. yeah. And I that's love that exactly you're taking right. it to the direction of connection and conversation, and not uh, imposing on them your beliefs and whatever you know you you think is good for them. But explaining to them why it is like that and taking the time to connect with them and make the make the cookies yourself and make it with them and show them the ingredients that you are using. So I think that's incredible. Thank you. And sometimes I don't
2: have, we don't always have the time to make it at home, but then you can go to the next alternative, which is the healthier store bought option, right? So I, I look at everything in tiers, you know, <laughs> like tier one, make it at home, tier two, yeah. buy healthy in the store. And again, there's going to be times where, like I said, when I'm at the birthday party or I'm at the Christmas, you know, Christmas dinner or, you know, somebody's uh, a celebration. And there's those options aren't there. But like you said before, it's the one or 2% time in the, in their lives that they're having this. It's not, it's not going to make or break unless the child has an allergy, then obviously you have to, or a, a big sensitivity, you have to work around that. But I think allowing it in moderation does keep that potential, you know, later on in life, binging or them hiding food you know, or feeling like they have to sneak around to get it.
0: I feel like that would be lessened
2: if they understood the value of balancing everything out.
0: Yeah. So how much in your coaching practice do you talk to people? I mean, I'm sure that you teach people how to choose the right foods, but how much do you also talk to them about, Um, being aware of when they're hungry and eating when they're hungry and being aware of when or when they're full and being like mindful around eating? Is that something you also practice with your clients?
2: That is a huge part of what I do with my Mm -hmm. clients, because a lot of. There's a lot of emotional eating that happens in, in people's lives, especially if. And it really starts from childhood because it really depends on how you grew up or, you know, what was food like in your life? Was it scarce? Did you grow up where maybe you were on food stamps? Right. And food, healthy food was not an option. Or did you grow up in a household where food was everything? Right. Life was revolving around food like um, in the Italian culture, for instance, I'm Italian. So. Everything. Everything was a celebration. Everything was about food. the the, the more the more the better, right? Yeah. <laughs> and everything, you know, even even from a Sunday dinner to uh, you know, a, a, a wedding, food was the the number one topic of conversation. And then it's everywhere in between. you know? so so I really focus on finding out about how someone grew up and what their relationship is to food. And yes, mindfulness around food is extremely important because stress is a big reason why people turn to food. It's the easiest, most accessible, and I don't want to call it a drug, but, but you know, it's the most accessible way to deal with a stressful situation for yeah. a lot of people. So yeah, it's so very soothing yeah. It's very comforting. It's very soothing. Um, and, and again, it's just very accessible because it's food.
0: Yeah. So how do you see the relationship of people with food related to the way that they grew up? Like, what are some of those uh, connections that you see with, with like grown grownup people right now?
2: Yes. Yeah, so with People as they get older, I find that when I ask them questions about their favorite foods or um what they tend to snack on, a lot of it stems from things that they that they ate when they were kids. And mm. there's a huge connection there. So I find that it's it, it becomes pretty, pretty deep rooted um within their subconscious almost that sometimes it's, they're not even mindful what they're doing. It's because they've been doing it for so long that that's just what goes on, on autopilot. So Mm -hmm. we really have to retrain their brain around food a lot, a lot of times and recognizing that we're not always hungry. Right. And especially if it's in a stressful situation, um, you know, not always to turn to food, to change that neural pathway, right? To break that habit of just going to food, maybe going outside and taking a walk, taking a few deep breaths, right? Reading a book, listening to a podcast, right? Anything to break The chain of what you would normally do when you're you're faced with, let's say, a stressful
0: situation. Hmm. interesting. and I feel like kids are very mindful of their eating. Like they know when they're hungry. They know when they're full. Um, they know what they like, what they don't like, but we as parents, some kind, sometimes get in their way and kind of distract them from feeling into their bodies and what their bodies need.
2: And their intuition
0: your, their intuition around food, and I was wondering what would you say in for to parents um knowing that you know dealing with grown-ups that have these issues around food and knowing their history, what would you say to parents to help them be more trusting of their of their children's relationship with their own with with food because I yes. feel like they naturally they are mindful around food yes. um So what we as parents can do in order to not hinder that, I guess.
2: So what I, again, and being a parent and going on this journey as well, and I grew up in the era of you eat everything on your plate, or you're not leaving the table type of thing, right? So there's a lot of punishment um, around food. Mm. So what I have found, especially in this last year, um, where we had to navigate some changing of the diet um, with, with one of my children was that I ask them what they want. Mm. I asked them, what do you want to have for lunch today? What would you like to have for dinner tonight? Getting them involved and giving, letting go of the control of you're going to eat what I make. They under like, and they understand the parameters of the type of food that we eat but allowing them the space to tell me what it is that they're craving right because again using that intuition if my son says he wants ramen noodle you know like we make our own homemade a lot of different things so he lo- he's actually very involved in the kitchen with me so he'll tell me I want to make a ramen noodle soup dish tonight like he'll just come out of you nowhere know, sometimes me may not have had it for a while But again, I'm thinking to myself, okay, maybe his body's craving broth. this way, you know, we can get a few more vegetables in there. Some nights they want steak and potatoes and, you know, then there's some nights they want mac and cheese, just like a kid would. So I, again, do try my best to make most things, but I allow them the opportunity to get involved in the process of choosing what it is that they want to eat because that can sometimes tell you intuitively, you know, are there cravings there or, you know, if they're like, yeah, I just want, um, I don't know, a fruit in the morning. My son, some mornings, like you want, you think you have to k- send your kids to school eating this huge breakfast. Sometimes he tells me he just wants fruit and I'm like, okay, maybe his body's telling him to lighten up. Maybe he's not, you know, maybe something's coming on, right? Like an illness and the body doesn't want to really eat when it's fighting something off. It needs all the energy that it can get to fight off the virus or the germs. So if he's intuitively telling me he's not really that hungry, I'm okay with that. We have to understand that about food. And that's why I really lean into educating the parents So that they can then educate their children, right? Because we have to understand what our bodies are telling us, which we're not all tapped into.
0: Yeah. That's okay.
2: Sometimes, you know, that's part of the journey, but it's, it's knowing that that information is there. If we, if we can tap into it.
0: Yeah. I love that. You said, um, that a lot of times we use food as punishment and it's I, I mean i i think automatically sometimes all of us do it and yes. uh, you know because we we have fear we have a lot of time fear around food maybe they're not eating enough or maybe you know uh if they're not going to eat enough of those vegetables what's going to happen and stuff like that so we it's very like fear driven and we punish them and we it's i it's not punishment but making them you know, Force eat something, yeah, forcing you're them, forcing it upon them rather than listening. And I
2: know, and, and I know, again, I I'm, I'm, I'm right there in the struggle with everyone because I worried too. I, yeah. I was nervous, you know, are they eating enough? Are they getting enough nutrients? Yes. But, you know, it's as a parent, we're, we're doing our best, you know, to, to give them what they, what they need and that fear can come up for sure.
0: Yeah. But I know in my them
2: family. some space, you know, and then <laughs> on the side note, a lot of things I do make, I hide a lot of veggies in my food when mm-hmm. I'm cooking. So for instance, when I make tacos, I will take a blender full of vegetables, blend them up, pour that into, let's say the ground turkey mixture that I'm making with the with the, the, the taco seasoning or whatever, and they have no idea it's even in there. Yeah. So that allows me to take a little bit of a breath and go, okay, even though, and I don't feel like I have to hide it from them all the time, but there are kids that if they knew what was in something, they wouldn't eat it. Like some people make butternut squash in their mac and cheese, right? If you're making a homemade mac and cheese, or you can blend cauliflower into it. And the kids really don't know the difference. So I try to have a balance of that as well, where I feel like I'm covering myself mm-hmm. <laughs> in the vegetable category where I'm like, okay, I put this in the tacos. I put this in the mac and cheese. I put this in their smoothies. So now it's the battle is not there. Yeah. There's no struggle. There's not as much of a struggle because you feel like, okay, I can present this to them I can put some broccoli on their plate and if they have a bite or two I don't have to argue with them about it it doesn't have to be a fight around food because I've covered myself in some other areas so that I found that really helpful for for us too yeah
0: yeah that's that's an amazing tip there yeah so thank you for that um I was wondering, what do you think? Like in my family, I have one child, my uh, six-year-old who craves sweets all the time. Like he really loves sweets. Um, And he's also like, I feel like it's for him, it's sometimes a form of soothing and self-regulation that it turns to to that. Although I am really mindful as a parent, not to use food as a distraction from emotions. Um, But what do you think? Like if if a child craves sweets all the time, what does it say something about their nutrition, about about something in their guts? Does it can
2: it, it mean it something? Absolutely. It absolutely does. Um, so working for the functional medicine doctor, I have seen hundreds of patients come through, you know, with many different ailments, gut issues being the root of a lot of problems. I myself at a very young age, I was probably in my early twenties, was diagnosed with something called candida, which is a yeast overgrowth inside of the gut. It could be systemic as well. Mine was specifically in the gut. So having a yeast overgrowth can cause extreme sugar cravings for people because yeast feeds on sugar. So Mm -hmm. the more you eat, the more you crave because it activates the yeast. So think about bread rising, right? That's where people experience bloating. So that is something, depending on the level of, or I should say, depending on their symptoms, I would say to some people, you may wanna check if you have a yeast overgrowth or if your child has a yeast overgrowth. Sometimes it's just balancing out their vitamins and their, their minerals. Because a lot of the food today, even organic food, depending on where it's grown, we don't know if the soils, how depleted are they of nutrients? We don't know if it's getting shipped from another country. When did they pick it? Did they pick it before it was ripe? And when are you even eating it? Is it two weeks after (laughs) the fact Mm. that it got, you know, that it was picked two weeks ago? Has it lost its nutritional value? Mm. So I do believe that, you know, obviously eating local is the, your best bet if you can. So you're getting your most nutrient dense food, but just making sure that our vitamins and minerals are, are balanced. And sometimes you'll, you'll have to get testing done for that. And that can be done through different functional doctors. Um, but sometimes it's just making sure your kids get a multi, a food-based multivitamin, multimineral supplement. Mm. And that and maybe just starting there, so you don't feel like you have to invest all this money in testing. But just by supplementing at first, if you feel like there's any issues happening, you know you can kind of observe and see, do the sugar cravings have they become less and less because they're now getting they're more balanced? So th-
0: there are a few different things that you can do
2: interesting in that situation.
0: And are there some? Types of food that you avoid, no matter what, at all costs, for yourself and for your kids. We do. We
2: avoid gluten mm-hmm. um, at all costs, and there's two reasons for that. One is, in this country, in the United States, wheat is hybridized, so it's not. It's it's a it's a genetically modified food. Number one. So your the wheat. Let's say for instance, if you're going overseas and you're in Italy or in France, you're getting a non-hybridized wheat. So it's more natural form of wheat. Also in this country, if it's not organic, they're spraying everything with something called glyphosate, which is a pesticide, herbicide. And it's in the product called Roundup, which most people are familiar with, which you spray outside. To kill the weeds outside your house. That causes a lot of dysfunction in the gut. So, not only are you getting, you're eating a wheat that's not in its most natural form, you're getting one that's covered in chemicals. So, unless you're baking your own bread at home and you can purchase a flour, which a lot of them are accessible now, um, that is more of a non-hybridized wheat or einkorn flour which mm-hmm. is an, another flour that um is non-hybridized you can very easily it's I've gone on that journey this year as well which a lot of people have on the sourdough uh, yeah <laughs> uh, bandwagon and it's it's been great because everything's really fresh um we don't have to totally avoid gluten that way but when we are out in the world you know purchasing things we do stay away from gluten and very minimal dairy unless it's from you know a local farm it's more of like a fresh cheese versus a processed cheese so we you know we just we're, we're just mindful we're more mindful of of our choices when it comes to the dairy and the gluten
0: Okay. Is there any other thing or all the other things? Like if it's like a little bit, it's not that bad. Do you think? Um, Like chocolate, candy, ice cream, you know, stuff like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, the same things. Yeah. The snacks, I just, again, I try to buy for the most part, especially if it's not given at a birthday party or out at a restaurant, you know, I try to buy everything that has no refined sugars, you know, like things more from a natural source, like from dates or maple syrup or coconut sugar. So I just try to choose the, I know there's like good, better, best, right? Mm -hmm. So when I'm purchasing things for my home, I try to get the best option, but when we're out, you know, it's, It's more, again, trying to create the best balance so that there's, there's no stress around, around the topic of food.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, the artificial dyes, I would say that's probably a big one mm for me um, Mm -hmm. because I see and have to deal with the repercussions of children after they, and I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but most children are wild after they consume artificial dyes you know red 40 yellow the blues you know it it just it really becomes a behavioral issue at that point so again mm-hmm. I just try to avoid that.
1: avoid yeah. that as
2: much as possible because it's hard for everybody when and and I see more hyperactivity in my kids now especially that they're older but when you have little kids there's a lot of meltdowns there's so there's a the things that as a parent you have to navigate that become stressful for for you as an individual. So just trying to avoid those things.
0: Yeah.
2: Are, are but, better for not just the child, but for you as a parent. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, why is that? Do you know? Like, why is that that uh, those food colorings, like artificial dyes cause that those behaviors? Is there a reason for that that you know of?
2: You know, off the top of my head, I, I I don't know the science behind it. It's Mm -hmm. probably something just because I, in my, in our regular life, I just stay away from it, but I haven't, I am sure I researched it at one point, but I I think it's just, they're, they're chemicals, they're artificial chemicals, you know, that, that can cause hyperactivity you know, in, in anyone, not just children, but adults as well. But I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know the science behind it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what would you say um, about you? And you mentioned that a little bit before, what do you, what would you say about when, when kids are sick? Because I know a lot of times, like from when I grew up, you know, people said that you need to eat when you're sick, so your body will get stronger. But now I'm yeah. hearing it's that it's actually the other way around. If you, if you're sick and you don't feel like eating, you shouldn't eat. Um, right. So how how do we navigate that, like with our children?
2: And and I think that that's something we also learned growing up, right? That in uh, they. Our, our, our parents, you know, or caretakers would just say, eat, eat, you'll feel better. You're like, they they think if you're not eating, that that equates that there's something wrong. But I have gone on a fasting journey myself. Um, I'm always trying out, you know, whatever's new in the health and wellness world. I always say I use myself as a guinea pig, because I always want to try it i want to see what does this feel like i research things i want to know the science behind it right to see why you know is this good is this bad is this a fad does it actually work and if you even just take an example from animals right animals when they are not when they are not feeling well they won't eat their food right Mm -hmm. your body if again you can tap into that it knows innately what it needs and what it doesn't need. So when we are fighting off an illness, a virus, you know, something bacterial and your body needs so much energy from your cells to help fight that off or, you know, again, the fever, what is a fever? It's our body's way, it raises the temperature because it's killing the virus, the bacteria, the germs. So when your body's going through that experience, it, it, it's it's telling you to rest, right? Because you're tired, you're lethargic. It If you don't want to eat, it's because your body's it, digestion takes up a lot of energy. And I can tell you from when I fasted, I fasted, the longest fast I ever did was 10 days. And I wow. know a lot of people are shocked when I tell them that. I have never experienced the level of energy that i had when i was fasting compared to anything i've ever done in my in my lifetime right of any type of health whether it was a cleanse or or a certain way of eating or an exercise program your body is not expending so much energy breaking down food all day long. So what it does is it goes into a repair mode. Even when this is when you're healthy, it starts to repair Mm -hmm. and goes in and it maybe will eat away at your fat cells because that is... The first thing it'll go after because it uses fat for energy. Then it also goes ahead and it eats away old, decrepit cells that don't belong in your body. So it's like a a sweeping, so to speak, of the entire system. So when you're not feeling well, your body is taking all that energy and eating up all the cells that are causing, or I should say, the, the viruses and the germs. So when kids tell you that they're not hungry, just make sure they're hydrated. Just make Mm. sure that they're getting electrolytes, which you can get through coconut water or putting a really good quality uh, Celtic sea salt in their water and allow their bodies to fight off the enemy that that has presented itself there. And they'll eat when they're hungry. Mm.
0: They'll eat when they're hungry. Yeah. So again, that's their
2: body telling them we're recovering now we can, we can nourish and refuel ourselves.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's again, listening to them and trusting them that they feel their body and they know what they need. Yeah. But,
2: I mean, sometimes I'll offer, you know, just to see, do they want bone broth? You know, I'm, I'll make bone broth at home. Um, there's also a couple good high quality ones, um, out in the stores again, just knowing what you're your buying is important. But again, they may take two sips and then they tell me they don't want any more, and I'm okay with that. I'm mm-hmm. like, maybe that's all that their body
0: needed, you know? So I'll offer, but I never force. Yeah. Um, sometimes people think that it's very, very hard to live a healthy lifestyle and, you know, to choose the right things to eat and, you know, buy the right things in the supermarket because many of it, um, I think most of it is very, very expensive. So how do you eat well and stay healthy under some kind of budget?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, Um, especially nowadays with inflation. And I see this post a lot in a lot of the moms groups that I'm a part of would be to, again, making, and there's a fine line because we're all very busy, right? Most Parents, households, both people are working. They may not have the time to make everything themselves. But I would say to shop somewhere like a Costco or a Sam's Club or online. They have VitaCost and Thrive Market. There's buying clubs like Azure Standard or Frontier Co-op. There's lots of places you can buy in bulk whether it's ingredients in bulk and make things yourself or actual products in bulk. If you know that that's something your family enjoys um, it can be a little more expensive to eat healthy, but I look at it as you're either going to pay now or you're going to pay later, right. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to pay more in medical bills or you're going to pay a little more in your food bill. So, Again, another thing just being mindful of, there's um, the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15, which are charts that show which vegetables. The Clean 15 are typically either sprayed with little to no pesticides, and the Dirty Dozen are your typical vegetables that have a heavier um, spraying of, of pesticides. So maybe buying the Clean 15 you know, not necessarily, you don't maybe have to buy that organic or just focusing on making sure you buy organic for the dirty dozen, but Mm -hmm. I would say buying in bulk, you know, utilizing coupons and, and using the buying clubs, you, you can, you can buy things, especially sometimes they'll offer, you know, buy two, get one free. So if it's something a particular product that you like, that you know you use often, just have to be a little bit more of a savvy shopper.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: but it's it's doable, and give yourself grace, you know. At the same time, because you can only if you only have so much money, you have to work within that budget.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you, thank you so much, Danielle. This was so informative, and I learned so much. Um. Where are, how can our audience uh, follow you and see, learn more about your work, learn more from you? Sure. Um, My website is empoweredwellnesscoach.com.
2: I also have social media pages on Facebook and on Instagram where they can follow me. Um, And on occasion, I'll be doing some local workshops so they can always follow me on social media to find out. Uh, where i'm going to be or if someone wants me to come and speak you know whether it's at their job, you know their place of employment or if it's a homeschool co-op or organization, i'm i'm happy to do that as well. I really enjoy educating people on how to live a healthier lifestyle more simply and sustainably.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much and i will link all those in the show notes. Great. Thank you so much again for having
2: me. I really appreciate it. And I just want parents to know that they, that they can do this. It's, it's possible. It's a journey, but as long as you have guidance and the willingness to make some changes that, that, that they can do this. I want them to have confidence that they can.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Danielle.
0: You're
2: welcome.
1: What an insightful episode. Here are the main takeaways. Number one, having a conversation with our kids about our nutritional choices as a family is a great way to get them on board with our food choices. Number two, if your kids are eating well and being nourished the majority of the time, then you can feel comfortable to let them eat unhealthy from time to time. It's not going to have a huge impact on them, while it will not make them feel like they are being deprived of something that other kids are having. Number three. Having a healthy alternative to foods and drinks that aren't healthy is a great way to let our kids eat those things while knowing that they are getting the better alternatives out there. Number four, making your own sweets is a great way to make sure that even if they are eating the sugary stuff, at least it's made out of better ingredients and it's also a great way to connect with your kids at the same time. Number five, our eating habits have a lot to do with what was ingrained in us growing up, so we want to be mindful of what habits we instill in our kids. Number six, kids are naturally mindful eaters. They know when they are hungry and full, what they like, what they dislike. If we trust them with their food choices, we will help them maintain those mindful eating habits for when they grow up. Number seven, if a child is craving sweets, there can be different reasons for that. Trying to give them a good food-based multivitamin and multimineral supplement can be a good way to see whether something is lacking in their nutrition that makes them have those cravings. Number eight, when kids are sick, they are not hungry and that makes complete sense because their body is fighting off a virus or a bacteria and needs to save their energy for that. Number nine, there are different ways that you can eat healthy on a budget. Buying in bulk, making more food at home, Buying the Dirty Dozen Veggies Organic and the Clean Fifteen not. Number 10. You can raise kids and teach them good nutritional choices. It's possible. Sign up for Danielle's newsletter and follow her on social media to get a PDF that accompanies this episode that she is working on. All the links are in the show notes. Talk to you next week. Bye for now.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode and was inspired to make small shifts in your parenting that will support your kids to bring forth their full potential while living a life of ease and well-being. To support this show, please make sure to subscribe and rate the show. Leaving a comment can be very helpful in promoting the show on the podcast platform. If you think that this can benefit other parents, please share this podcast with them. I invite you also to follow my Instagram account, Alternative Parenting Coach, and join my private Facebook group, Alternative Parenting, where I would love to hear your thoughts about the episode, what you learned, what inspired you, or what you didn't agree with. Your feedback is extremely valuable to me, as we are all in this process together, living, learning, and evolving. Thank you again, and I'll talk to you soon.